I didn't realize what I put it down on. I put it down on top of Axel's piano. <laughs> <laughs> but like some security guy comes and tells me off for like putting my getting my jacket on Axel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hello. I'm, I'm good. Is my Dane. camera off? Yeah. Hello there. How you doing? How you doing? Very, very good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, welcome to Facing the Crowd. Yeah. It's, yeah. Been, uh, it's been a while trying to get you on through different reasons and COVIDs and all sorts of stuff, but it's great to have <laughs> yeah. you here at last. What kind of setup you guys have with the two of you in the same room? I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't know where to start with that kind of thing. No, it's, uh, it can be quite confusing, but um, yeah, it's kind of... Uh... This is, it wasn't working earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've just got like a cheap <laughs> kind of mixer and uh, and that's it really, you know, and uh, obviously a laptop and a couple of mics. Oh, cool. And yeah, we were lucky because um, um, I play in a band, so we had this studio to use. Um, nice. And we pay for it like monthly and like all the stuff's here and it only gets used like one or two days a week, so... We, you know, when we decided to do the podcast, I was like, well, why don't we do it at the studio? You know, it makes more sense. And yeah. the first couple we did like in your living room and that, didn't we? And then, well, we did the first one in there and then the COVID thing. And it was like, we can't come down here anymore. Do you remember? Yeah. And we couldn't yeah. come down here for ages. And then we finally got to come down here again. And it was like, thank God we're back in here. Yeah. We've been in here ever since. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's yeah, nice it to have cool. a little space and have a bit of a uh, bit of man time and... <laughs> yeah exactly i know you it must be nice i get tempted and people have asked me if i'd ever want like a partner to do my podcast mm. and even though like from a social aspect yeah i'm sure i would enjoy that and it might be easier to kind of bounce off each other but it's just for me it's just someone else to try and fit in their schedule it's, it's hard enough to kind yeah. of book an appointment or like an interview with a guest fitting it in with my own schedule with you know with time differences sometimes if they're in a different time zone and, and then trying to fit someone else into that i'm just like unless i really really get to the stage where i have to i'm gonna just try and keep doing it myself but um yeah it, it's really cool it, it is you hard guys do it it is hard dane because it's like <laughs> we, we try to get a guest and then we try to get a date and then we try to get a date we can both do like yeah. exactly what you just said and then yeah there's two people that might not be able to do it at the drop of a hat because they're ill or something. So yeah, you keep going exactly. on your own. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try really to like, you know, well, easy, I'll try and keep easier doing for you. <laughs> yeah. Let's ah, get cool. down to business then, buddy. Um, to, let's, uh, what, I, what, I, what we always ask is um, what was, what was your first gig? Like what was the first gig you went to your like first gig experience? It's hard. To, I don't know how, the exact answer to that because i would have been stupidly young but mm. it probably would have been a motorhead gig cool. and i don't know how old i was but young enough to not remember it if you know what i mean <laughs> i've kind yeah, of got sure. blurred memories of various motorhead gigs as a kid i think most of them would have been in like london like hammersmith apollo or whatever it was called odeon at the time maybe yeah brixton academy type venues um we thought it might be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. 
I hope you had your defenders on. (laughs) I hope so as well, because I'm very, that's one thing I recommend to everyone, anyone listening to this, like how, no matter how old you are, if you go into a rock gig, or even if you like, I went to see my brother's acoustic duo the other day in in my local pub. And I still took my earplugs for that. Cause I'm Mm. like that. It's going to be loud enough to, cause damage and yeah in a small room and that as well it's gonna you know it's, it can be quite shrill can't it and that's what affects your ears right yeah and um i'm just i, I haven't had a hearing test for a long time but i think I'm, I'm doing okay but it's because since i've been a gigging drummer or mostly since i was about maybe 16 17 i have always worn earplugs ear protection of some form mm. where there's so many other people i know who have been doing it as long as me or you know almost as long maybe and they've never really got into that or maybe they have recently so they've done you know 10 plus year, years of gigging without ear protection i'm like whoa you've <laughs> you've really <clears throat> potentially done a lot of damage there let alone go into other gigs your social life go to clubs and like i'm not i'm not saying when i used to go to bars and clubs i always had earplugs but now i do <laughs> which is pretty lame but um i just, no, no, I I just I, like my dad like my dad He's 60. He's never worn ear protection mm. being in bands he's been in and being in Motorhead, which are renowned for being quite loud. Yeah. <laughs> and, but he, you know, he can't even hear my hi hats. Right, right. Wow. So like, I'm like, I think because I've been exposed to his hearing loss, like throughout my adult life, it's made me think I don't want to be like that. So yeah. maybe I'm extra special. I, I'm extra careful because. I, I've seen the other end of it and the consequences of not doing that. Yeah, Whereas course, maybe yeah. other people, you know, our age, your age, my age, I don't know, maybe they, you know, they, you know, their parents don't really have massive hearing loss. So they don't realize how, how damaging going to a, a, you know, a gig for an hour can be or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a nightmare. Like when we rehearse in here, like, cause we've like got Marshall stacks and all that. And it's definitely, my drummer hits those things. Like it's going out of fashion and mm. I stand right next to him. So I always wear earplugs when we rehearse, but when we play live, I, I tend not to, and I know that's bad, but yeah, know. it is bad. <laughs> but yeah, like, again, like the normal excuses, oh, I can't get the vibe or I can't hear myself properly and stuff, but I guess, yeah, it is harder. And, I've, I've been in bands with people who have tried, especially singers, it's, it can be more difficult. But I yeah. know singers, I find it easier to sing with earplugs in and stuff like that because they, mm. they can hear their, their kind of head voice inside. Um, it depends what level you're at. If you're, at, you know, if you're playing shows and you know, you're not playing with monitors much, like it is so hard. And like I've done that mm. Like, mm. You know, many times over the years. And, but I've never been a singer, so I've never had to pitch as long as I can hear the bit of bass and guitar i can i can get away with a gig you know <laughs> yeah of course yeah yeah but yeah how many projects have you got on the go at the moment like drum wise very, very few to be honest with with you um obviously it's phil campbell and the bastard sons which is mm. the main thing um i'm technically still in another band called straight lines yeah i listened to I it today oh right okay cool. i really enjoyed it uh, really thank enjoyed you very it. much like um, i must admit like i'm I'm surprised I haven't heard I haven't heard of them before or heard of you before because um, it's like right down my street, you know, um, ah. <laughs> right up my street. But um, I think I described uh, when I listened to it, I texted him and I said, "This is like, um, um, is it like feeling for a friend." No, nah, I said it's it's like it's, it's like Billy Talent and um, 
and at the drive-in had a baby or something it's like oh, it's got yeah, that kind awesome. of vibe you know i really really enjoyed it i'll be i'll be listening uh, to more of that for sure oh thank you yeah um us we, we were compared to billy talent quite a lot back in the day i think a, a lot of that was because of our vocalists kind of high vocal range is quite high mm, um mm. and but after driving uh, literally one of our favorite bands especially the singer who plays guitar as well one of his favorite bands mm. so that's a nice comparison Mate, i'll take that any day no i could hear it <laughs> straight away and i was like wow because i mean you know i grew up with stuff like that so yeah, you know, that yeah really we've always hit me straight away yeah we like we always intended on being like accessible like commercial rock but in terms of especially guitar wise we were always into like discordant chords and you know trying to avoid just playing basic power chords as much as possible and yeah um and i think um tom the guitar player and singer he wrote most of the songs in this weird tuning as well like there's some tuning he made up literally i don't even know what it is <laughs> but he kind of just fiddled with his guitar one day and like played an open chord. I was like, oh, this sounds quite nice. Like mm. I haven't to this day figured out what it is, but it's something weird involved. <laughs> so, well, I think that and that's what gives us our quite unique sound in terms of chords because the strings that might be ringing out normally, open strings, um, in like standard tuning or whatever, are not there. There's something else. There's some random other um, uh, notes that you wouldn't normally hear. So yeah, that's cool. Thanks for that. And um, I'm really proud of what we did. Like we haven't done much in the last five years or so, apart from a few like very small shows. Um, you know, we, we had a little run 10 years ago, pretty much 10, 11 years ago, we did download festival and sonosphere and we had some good support slots and, and like slam dunk festival. And that kind of, that kind of, um, I guess it's hard to pinpoint what genre we were, but we were kind of mixed in with the, kind of emo screamo punk rock pop punky kind of bands uh and less so the kind of um bands that i play with today which is more the classic rock mm -hmm. kind of heavy metal bands uh but yeah i'm really proud of what we did and i, I you know I, from my musical standpoint like like if i had to choose my favorite band out of the both, well, I would listen to. I'd listen to Straight Lines more than mm, the band mm. ten, you know. No, that's fair <laughs> enough, though. You know, it's more. It's more my era, my 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 cup of tea, and I guess I think with a you know with the bastard sons, we are trying to, um, you know, we it's it is a slightly older audience, I suppose. With with my dad, uh, we're trying to keep some motorhead fans happy you know hoping they'd still enjoy some some motorhead fans hate us but um we're hoping that a lot of them still kind of like what we do but we don't want to we'd rather put our own spin <clears> on it i um, need to go and yeah. see you if they uh if they think they hate you <laughs> as i did well, hard rock hell ah uh, thanks that, yeah, was, yeah, that was that was superb great. that was absolutely superb that gig oh yeah my, mightily impressed as i said to you on your instagram yeah no, like I it was you yeah. you and that is pretty obvious to say that the wild hearts and orange goblin are going to be two of the best bands on the on the weekend well yeah oh, that, I, think, I think wild hearts can be very hit or miss and well they were they they were good you were lucky they played to be honest they yeah i mean they started they started having massive <clears throat> row the week after and there was all kinds yeah. of things going on yeah. i don't know, know the ins and outs of it but they were great um the bastard sons and 
Orange Goblin. Awesome. Yeah. And when you play, when you played um, Born to Raise Hell, I just couldn't stop smiling because I just used to love that when I was younger with uh, Whitfield Crane and Ice T and yeah, and, yeah, and Lemmy cool, and that. Yeah. I just loved it, and it was just you played it. I was just like, I mean, I was pretty drunk, but I loved it. <laughs> There you go. Well, there you go. There's my review of uh, yeah. <laughs> review at Hard Rock Hill. <laughs> well, that's the idea of the band. It's just like we're not, you know, we're not trying to do anything that hasn't really been done before. We're not too technical or anything like that. We just want to be like a, a feel-good rock and roll. Yeah, it's like straight kind out of party, rock and roll. No part, you know, I don't like the word party band because we're not a novelty act or anything, but we just want people to, whether they know our songs or not, just to be able to kind of just just instantly kind of enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, his, hook, his hooks and stuff like that. When you when that. you come out and you've done We're the Bastards, if you don't know that song, that's you're instantly like, yeah, the vibe's there with that song. Anyone can sing along to that yeah. and love it, can't they? Yeah, that's it. And then that was the idea, I suppose. With that song in particular, I think it, it's, it was going down really well live, that tour. That was probably maybe fifth time he'd ever played that song and if you're a fan of the band it's great because it's kind of about our fans but it's also introducing people who haven't heard of us or haven't seen us before it kind of introducing us as a band to them as well so it's, it kind of works quite well and yeah you can sing along with the chorus after hearing it once yeah you know that's it that's the idea <laughs> it's, it's it's a cup raiser isn't it yeah yeah. And, uh, yeah hopefully we can make more more like that um we've just been uh recording a new album at the moment actually so i oh, have we've, we've talked about it a little bit online but no one's really heard anything yet but um yeah we had we knew we had january off um we've got like one show next week the planet rock winter's end which, which is cool. So we've got to get ready for that now because we haven't played since the tour in November as a as a full band like right. playing our rehearsing as such. We've only kind of been writing uh, without we've been writing without our singer Joel, mainly for logistical reasons. And he's kind of similar to how we did our, our last album. And the last album was like in full on lockdown when we wrote that. And technically, we kind of wrote most of it just before the full on lockdown happened. And um we write the, all the music instrumentally first and kind of just send it to our singer and kind of hope he comes up with some goods. So it's, it's, it's a weird, it is a weird way for a band to write. I don't think all bands do that. I'm sure some do, but, but for both albums, uh, well, the first album, not so, not so, when I say first album, We're the Bastards was our second album. But I mean, that album, our singer Neil at the time was present for a little bit of it, but most of the stuff he came up with was at home. And then once we'd done all the instruments and he was ready, he came into the studio and bashed out all the vocals. And he did a fantastic job. Um, yeah, so we're hoping Joel, now our new singer, can do something similar. But I literally mm -hmm. um, finished drumming uh, the last drum track uh, two days ago. So we, we've done like 12 tracks. And again, even crazier, to be honest with you, which, which might interest some of the listeners. We literally get into a room Sometimes Todd, Todd, who plays guitar, or my dad, who also plays guitar, might have come up with a couple of riffs at home. We bring them to the table. Sometimes it's like a phone recording. I came yeah. up with this riff the other day. What do you think? And we'll spend Monday. This is, this is just what we've been doing for the last five or six weeks. We'll spend Monday 
kind of just coming up with these ideas, putting them together. Sometimes it'll be one of my dad's riffs and then one of my brother's riffs. Oh, I've got one that might go well with that. And then within a couple of hours, we've made it into a song, you know, without, without lyrics and vocals. Um, and we literally do a really rough recording of it in the room. And then I'm recording the real drums for that track the following day. Wow. Wow. I don't have, I don't have long to <clears throat> kind of digest everything and to think too much about the parts I'm playing, which is in my opinion, the, the only, well, one of the negative things about doing it this way, because it's pretty much the first things I'm thinking of are going to be on the final recording rather than have weeks and weeks of, of time to maybe come up with a fill here or come up with a cool, idea here um so that's that's my my only slight complaint about the way we do it um and i'm hope, hoping I'm, no, I'm pretty i'm happy with what i've played but mm, mm. in a month's time i'm sure i'll be listening to it the singing will be on it i'm like oh i could have done this there uh-huh. i could have done that there as a musician you're always going to be so critical of your own work aren't you yeah yeah and i think i i think at the end of the day i'm we all like, we all play a bit of every instrument, so the other guys give me a lot of feedback at the time, and we do a lot of like drop ins afterwards, or mm-hmm. try something else there, try something. We all so we're all happy, happy um, before the, the kind of final track is complete, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just a bizarre way. I'd love to know what the the, the vocals were doing as well, because sometimes when I play on other people's tracks which i do occasionally which is nice i sometimes play something that goes with the vocal or the lyrics yeah um whether it's like a little accent here and there but i'm unable to do this um with this album unfortunately and i'm sure there'll be lots of parts Mm -hmm. i'm like so is is it down to um sorry dane is it down is it down to joel to write all the lyrics or is there any I hope so. <laughs> That's his job. Right. So. Uh, well, yeah, I hope so. Uh, none of us are particularly great at writing lyrics. I certainly am not. It's not It's not something I've ever tried to do. I've never felt confident enough to do. And that is like a comedy song. Uh, I quite, <laughs> I, I wrote, I, like I, I, when I've written music in the past, it's normally been slightly uh, comical in some way. And I guess if, you, if you're aware of Joel's other band, uh, the Bootyard Bandits, I don't know. If you're familiar with them, no, they they are great. They're essentially like a cowboy western themed rock band. Oh, cool! Uh, they've got an album out now, so go and check that out tomorrow or whatever. It's, it's mm, great. Yeah, so well, that's Joel. That's Joel's other band, and that's how we found him. Um, but all the songs are, you know, kind of not very serious. If you know what I mean. <laughs> so yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, what he can come up with. He, he sent a few things so far and he's in, been very impressed. So I'm, I'm very confident he'll come up with a good. Nice, nice. Uh, I hope he doesn't feel too pressured. Well, literally, literally that tour in November, <clears throat> um, I think he did one show in, like, in September with us in, in Belgium or somewhere cool. like that. And then, um, yeah, we kind of... We, we 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 were asking for like people to send in audition tapes to us last summer. Mm. We did we, you know we had a, you know a few hundred emails, which is amazing. So we had to narrow that down, and he was one of the guys we narrowed it down to. And we just had a feeling, and he, he kind of had the look as well, to be honest. Which mm. he was a similar age to me and the boys and stuff like that. Um, 
You never replied to my email, Dane. <laughs> Did you email? Did you actually email? No, honestly, this man. I wish. I'd love. To, I'd this, love. I love it. This has happened before because I did. Do, I did do an interview with someone who genuinely did, did send an email. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, we unfortunately we couldn't re physically reply to everyone, but you know, we replied to the people we thought of me. Then we said, "Oh, any chance we share some instrumental tracks? Can you sit, uh, send some uh, recordings of yourself singing our songs and maybe a Motorhead song, just to give us an idea? Because we didn't. We don't want to waste people's time." Mm. inviting them down to Wales to get in a room with us if if they weren't even close to the right vibe. Mm. There's some brilliant singers, but they just weren't the right vibe for us as well. Some bloody awful ones as well, which I'm not going to name names, obviously, but <laughs> I think, but, you know, uh, maybe people just thought they'd take a shot. Why not? Right? You know, yeah. don't blame you for trying. You don't, you don't ask, you don't get, but... Um, no, that's right. Some of us, some of the audition takes were hilarious, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we had very, lots of very good ones, and Joel was the cream of the crop, really. And yeah, we invited him down. Um, we had a good vibe off him, and sounded great singing our song. And um, yeah, kind of invited him down again. Uh, to, you know, we made sure we were happy, and then we said, "Do you want to do this one gig?" Like, kind of a low, well, seemed low key. It was like a small festival in Belgium, but it wasn't mm. like we didn't make a big <laughs> deal about it. It's like, do you want to do a do you want a gig in Belgium with us? Um, but yeah, that went really well. And then we kind of knew the way he interacted with the crowd and stuff like that. And we were like, yeah, that's exactly what we want. So yeah, cool. Well done, cool. Is he probably is not he... going to listen to this, but <laughs> is he quite a similar character to, to your first singer or is he sort of like completely different on like a different level? I don't know yet. Um, well, in, well, like a stage presence, you mean? You'd like just to like hang out with and stuff. Oh, right? well, well, I'm still, I'm still really good friends with, um, our old singer, Neil, and mm. he's, He's very, he's a pretty chilled out guy. Um, he, yeah, I guess, yeah, they are quite similar, I suppose, because um, the one tour we did with Joel, I guess that was our first time kind of getting to know him properly and spending lots of time with him. He was just chilled out. He, mm, pretty chilled mm. he seemed more chilled out than the rest of us, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he did a cracking job when it came to it. Um, and I guess the pressure was on him more than the rest of us in terms of, what the crowd were expecting if they've if they'd seen us before with our old singer um and i you know a lot of our old fans love neil as well so mm. it, 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 it's difficult and I, but i think he did win him over like i'm not, I'm not saying once one singer is better than the other but i'm you know there's a lot of people that were like they understood why we made that choice for the band and why we chose joe basically mm. but like i'm not not knocking neil in any way he was great and I think a lot of people love the recordings he did with us and he was great live. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, awesome. yeah. We're all, we're all good friends. It's nothing, it's nothing dodgy. Cause a lot of people have asked me this. So yeah. What happened then? Mm. Thinking something <laughs> bad happened, but it, it was nothing like that. So we're all good friends. I actually saw Neil today. And so, you know, as in, I literally saw him this afternoon a few hours ago. So yeah, 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 yeah. everything's cool. If anyone was wondering. No, that's great. You know, you build up these friendships through bands and stuff, don't you? And it, it's always bad when you like you you read or hear about bands that like fall apart, like through and there's bad feeling there. You know, it's like mm. I suppose, you know, when when you get to a certain level in your career and you're literally you're living together on tour buses and all this kind of stuff, then you become like a family so much and you start to bicker like families, don't you? And it can it can really it can things can happen and people say things that can't be taken back. Yeah, same with workmates, yeah. isn't it? Same yeah, with your workmates. 
Yeah, and, and you've got to think with with our band, we literally most of us are a family. Yeah, so of course. So we it, it's a slot that bicker a bit more, and 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 I think Neil, you know, I'm not saying he, he didn't get involved. We didn't we didn't have disagreements every now and again, but he was probably putting up with us more than we were putting up with anything he was doing because he was <laughs> listening to me and my brothers and my dad, you know, not complain but argue over decisions or what songs to play or where, what venue we don't want to play or, and why, or what support what band we don't want. And he kind of just went with the flow as much as possible. I think, but he, he was really great. And he was, um, cause he's been, he's been very experienced in other bands. He's managed bands before. So he was very good on like the business side of things as well. Um, very good with like merchandise and stuff like that. And, mm. and yeah, I think, you know, hopefully, Joel doesn't feel like anything um, negative. I think we were quite well behaved on the last tour, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, the, we've always thought the band the band is a democracy essentially. So there are decisions to be made, and very often, more often than not, I'm in the minority, and I just got to go go with it, you know. And I just got to accept that, and that's how it is. Sometimes I win them, sometimes yeah. I lose them. I mean, it's a very unique them. thing, isn't it? <laughs> Um, having what well, there's like four family members in the band, isn't there? Yeah, there's not many bands. Oh, it's only you and the Jacksons in it. They've got that many members. Quite possibly, <laughs> yeah. I've never really delved hugely into it. I know you get the odd kind of brother in a band, or like two brothers or a brother and sister. Yeah. Um, father yeah. and son is fairly rare, I suppose. Um, but yeah, then father and yeah. three sons. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. So there's definitely yeah. good chemistry though when you when you played live. Yeah, I think Definitely. I think that's what a lot of people notice is from a musical like perspective. We've all been playing with each other musically since we were kids. And so we just lock in really well with each other. You know, a lot of people comment on like how, how tight we are. Even people who aren't musicians recognize that we're a tight band and stuff like that. And that's, that's a nice reputation to um yeah, reputation to have. Um I'm sure there's other bands out there much better than us. But um yeah, I think that a lot, a lot of that is just to do with that we've played, you know, we just jam in with each other since we were kids in my garage, in my, you know, my dad's garage and stuff like that, until the neighbours complained. And then we had to, <laughs> then we had to get an electronic drum kit. So you, we're a lot, a lot so more have quiet. You, have you always drummed? You say you, you, all of you play different instruments and things. Was was drums what you wanted to play straight away? Um, I think going back, I probably picked up a guitar before I picked up pair of drumsticks mm. but there was always um I, I can't remember the order because i was so young but i was literally six years old and i was my, at the time my dad also had like a like a local pub band with some friends in, in south wales and they used to play covers in little pubs and stuff and i think from the age of six i used to go up and play you know the odd song and and wow but i think I, I might have been given a guitar before but i I think my dad just kind of noticed once I had, had the opportunity to play it, play a drum kit that I think he just saw that like that was naturally what I seemed, well, it just seemed like I could do it mm. or I got, I got the gist of it quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and whether it was, and at that point, I guess my, my older brother Todd was proving himself to be a very, very talented guitarist at a young age as well. I know nowadays you get you get these little kids on YouTube and they're amazing by the time they're five and stuff like that. So it wasn't quite to that extreme, but <laughs> he was very good. I'm, you know, and so maybe it was that my dad thought, well, 
if Todd plays guitar, maybe I can get Dane to play drums. And maybe he thought about this plan all along. I don't know. Yeah. But um, but like Todd can play drums. I can play, I can play guitar and bass. I can't shred and do all the solo-y lead stuff that that my um my brother and and my dad do, because I've spent more time playing drums and, and bass guitar. Um, Tyler, who plays bass in the band, is a very good guitarist. Mm. Uh, you know, he will he will probably say similar to me that he doesn't do all the shredding stuff but he probably knows a hell of a lot more chords than my dad and my other brother because mm, um, mm. he's a very you know he's a very good songwriter in his in himself as well and he's got another band called the people the poet which are very 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 good a uh, little bit more chilled out than us but yeah very talented so he's, he's you know been involved in all the songwriting of that band uh, for many years um, but yeah, uh, they, he can play drums as well. <laughs> My dad can play drums. Um, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say it would, for me, it would be drums, bass, and guitar. Mm. Um, and then ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. If, if any one of you injures a body part, you can just kind of switch around by the sounds of it. Well, so, yeah, I've always talked <laughs> about this idea of maybe <clears throat> one song, like a, Maybe an encore, maybe we'd swap instruments for just a song. And that'd the be fear would be show. on drums by the sounds of it. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, you could maybe. He'd probably prefer to go on bass and let one of the boys play drums. But yeah, he's, he, like my dad played drums before guitar, I believe. He was in a drumming in a, in a band when he was like 13 or something. Mm. Playing, he, he calls it cabaret. He was in a cabaret band. So he was going around all the, the pubs and clubs in, in Wales, I suppose playing drums and then uh he started playing guitar in bands and then it went on from there really nice, nice. what was your first gig that you played well when you first got on i was now you've obviously done so so much playing as a youngster you'd probably hard to de de define what yeah. that was yeah that's a good point um yeah so there was obviously the the kind of playing the odd song at my dad's gigs and then i started um a band when I was 13, I think, in school with a few guys that were a few years above me. And I was already friends with a guitar player because um, he lived near me and we used to hang out, but he was a few years older than me. But so I was 13, they would have been, I think 16, I think they were. But they were in, they were one of the very few guys in school that were into rock music uh, and guitar music and stuff. And I don't think they really knew any drummers. So they were like, oh, well, Dane, you fancy jamming with us. So they used to come over my house. We used to jam in the garage. And I think we did like a school competition thing first. We played School by Nirvana. I don't know if you know that song. Of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know that. There you go. So yeah, so we did that. And that is quite, quite a hard song, really. But um, very noisy. So we, we kind of won a school competition doing that. And I was 13. But it wasn't long after that, we were um, playing gigs outside of school there's a really for people who are my age and from kind of the south wales valley valleys will know about it there's a there was a pub in pontypreet which is home of various bands some of them i won't mention um but there was a pub called the molsters where all the bands from the local area used to go so original bands and covers bands there'd be like maybe three or four bands on per night every thursday and that was just the night and i remember being in school and I went and played a gig and I was 13 and I wasn't technically allowed to 
to go in because it was like an 18 plus thing. And once yeah. I actually got turned away because I think they'd been um, kind of got done for letting underage people in. So once we oh, had a right. gig and I, I, weren't allowed, I wasn't allowed in, so we, we had to cancel <laughs> the gig. But I definitely did play prior to that. So I think, yeah, I think 13 would have been in that, in that pub in like the cellar downstairs so um yeah that, that would be my first problem in the pub yeah it's not, mad isn't it it's not pretty cool but yeah i guess i just haven't really stopped i guess since since then and you know there's just some years of i guess i'm busier now than i've ever well, pre-covid busier busier now than I, I was back then but um yeah i've always been plodding plodding along in various brands and different projects but yeah, as apart from Straight Lines and Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, I don't technically have anything else going on apart from uh, we haven't gigged yet. Um, I've started jamming with two of my friends. This is more of a covers band, but dedicated to the, the music of Dave Grohl. Oh, cool. Because cool. he's one of, one of my biggest influences, and it was just an idea we had years ago. Mm. Uh, I want to call it Rock and Grohl. So it's kind of like a mixture of like Nirvana, Foo Fire stuff, maybe the odd Queens of the Stone Age song. Crowbot. Yeah, I want to do the Crowbot song, but we've only really had a few rehearsals and it's mainly, we're all busy doing different things. One guy's a teacher, one guy works for the police. I've got like a, a job as well as the band and it's just hard to get together. But um, mm. yeah, hopefully that, hopefully it'd be, it'd be nice to see, to say that I could do a gig by the end of this year for that project. Cool, so cool. yeah, look out for that. <laughs> yeah, I've got tickets to go and see that film tomorrow. The um, studio 666. Yeah, I'm, go I'm really... going with one of the boys on Sunday, actually. Oh, yeah, oh, sweet. From, from that band. Yeah, <clears throat> unfortunately, the other, the other guy isn't available, but um, yeah, I don't know if you knew, but um, apparently he's releasing an entire fresh album that's based on that film and he's releasing it before the film comes out tomorrow. Oh, okay. That's what he said because he, he's I, released one single, wasn't he? And it, I think the band's called Dream Widow or something like that. I think Dream Widows. Um, and yeah, apparently the whole album's out tomorrow. Crazy. Wow. Okay, I'll yeah. look out for that. So, then. what about yeah. the soundtrack that Roy did when we had Roy on, didn't we? Yeah. Would there be two soundtracks then? No, this is an album, a fictional album that's oh. real, that's made up, which it's the album that the band in the film make oh i got you yeah. ah. whereas what ray uh, sorry what roy did he done the soundtrack like all the music that you hear yeah. in the film he did the sc musical score didn't he? yeah all the scary all the scary yeah. shit that you hear so there probably like... will be two albums won't there yeah i would have thought so yeah but it's yeah it's quite interesting i'm quite looking forward to it it's going to be different yeah, <laughs> and yeah have you, I, I saw... you've seen I the trailer i saw some to be honest i don't know a lot about it i've because I, because my my mate was like, "Oh, do you want to go?" And I'm like, "Well, it's, it's about it's something to do with Dave Grohl. Yeah, definitely want to go." But I mm. haven't really watched anything about it because I thought, "Well, I'll just wait and see." Um, I'm sure it's going to be interesting because he doesn't really. You're going to be in for a laugh, I'll tell you. Yeah, I've been trying to yeah. avoid the trailers. They keep coming up <laughs> on on Instagram yeah, like, and stuff. I've been trying to not watch them so that I not I you know want to see it. I hate loads of spoilers, don't you? Yeah, that's that's what I mean. If it's something I know, I definitely want to see regardless. I try and avoid trailers for it. Mm. If it's if it's something like, oh, do I, you know, I'm not sure if I like the sound of that, then I'll watch a trailer. Or if it's like, um, you know, some series, me and me and the wife are thinking, oh, is that meant to be any good? Or we'll watch a trailer. Or if it's a <laughs> like a video, like I mean, I'm, I'm into video games and stuff. When I got time, sometimes I watch the odd trailer to figure out oh, is it gonna is it my kind of game or not and yeah then i do it but i don't like spoiling things now 
What sort of games do you like? Well, a lot. I like, I guess, like adventure games, mm. a little RPG, a little bit, but not too much. Because I have got time for big RPGs. Is that big one out tomorrow, Elden Ring? Elden Ring, yeah, I saw that today. Advertised. Like, it looks good. Is yeah, because I've been my mates like <clears throat> he sent me a link. Oh, you can download it from this link for cheap. I'm like, it looks amazing. I just know I haven't got time for it. And I watched a few reviews, and it's, it's been getting ten out of tens everywhere. Yeah. But the first line of one of the reviews with IGN or whatever was like. In the 78 hours I spent playing Elden Ring, <laughs> I was just like, I said that it lost me in the first minute because I'm like, I don't have 78 hours to play a computer game this 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 day and age, even though it looked yeah. incredible. And I'm into all the kind of Game of Thrones kind of fantasy stuff, Lord of the Rings kind of vibe. Um, yeah, like, we love all that. I've always, I loved all that stuff, you know. Um, and I know I would enjoy the game, but... I just, you know, I'm lucky if I spend an hour, like two hours playing video games a week. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, I know that's not much, um, but um, I enjoy, it's just kind of my downtime. That's my you know, escapism. I don't really read books unless I'm traveling. Um, I don't wa watch a hell of a lot of TV on my own. So if I get, you know, an hour of spare and and I've done everything that needs to be done, I've done all my podcast work. Um, which is and, epic. Which, which. Yeah, well, people don't understand how much time that takes. And, oh, and sometimes I can feel guilty if I know if I've got a day off, well, a day off, I don't really have days off, but um, a day off my other job or nothing band related on that day. I always know there's something podcast related. I could be doing whether it's making trailers or artwork for the next episode or editing the next episode. Um, yeah, so occasionally I'll go, well, let's, get, let's get the Xbox out or i got a, sw a switch as well which is good. Mm. great for touring if you're into games and you tour in a band and you haven't got a switch what are you doing yeah you've got to go on but my uh, yeah, son's got know, one he loves it yeah in fact well, to be yeah. honest with you we got it for him for christmas i probably play it more than he does like, <laughs> it's just sitting there like attached to the tv and i'll be like oh let's have let's have 10 minutes on mario kart or whatever you know nice yeah yeah exactly it's, it's for all ages i know it like the nintendo consoles kind of have that child childish kind of appearance and the you know the, the nintendo mario games and all that but like they're they're not they they're for all ages they design yeah. for all ages oh but the gameplay's so kids can play as well yeah mm. exactly and yeah like yeah so like you know legend of zelda i like, oh, love that series so good and it's so good like, yeah so yeah i mean i'm into all that kind of stuff i play a bit of halo with some of my friends sometimes and call of duty and fifa and all that but i, I don't really do a lot of that FIFA, I'd that's what, that's what I'll play, Dane. If I get a spare <laughs> minute, which is once a week, like you say, yeah, yeah. I like to play online FIFA mm. 22 and just play <laughs> some random person and get yeah. beat. And get, yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> the thing. I don't like I don't like playing online on my own <clears throat> against randoms if it's just me. But if I'm with if I'm on the headset with a few of my good friends, I, I do enjoy that every now and again. But I'm not really, I'm more of a play on my own kind of guy play a campaign mode on something on, on my own mm. never always been that way i think i'm the same like, Do you know i never play online i'm games, not really if i'm gonna play it has to be competitive so mm. i have to play someone yeah. well, I, I, just, I don't just i don't just play against the computer because it knows what it's gonna do <laughs> I, I, I say that but it's like my son like in the last year he really got into Fortnite, and it's all he wants to play yeah and sometimes like 
we we go in the level together and there's like 100 people and it's like the last team that that, that survives and we always win which is quite cool i think i think wow. we're pretty good at it yeah, <laughs> you need to change that from easy to hard on the settings <laughs> well fortnite is you get you fortnite is all online isn't it i played it once yeah. and i was like what the hell is this and i never played it ever again but yeah it's i get it's quite addictive if you're a kid yeah, he loves it like too much. Like sometimes yeah. I'm like, I've got to get him off it a little bit, you know. Well, that's the thing with like I, I don't have kids or anything, but I know I know that is a thing. You can put limits on the consoles, kind of time yeah. limits and stuff like that. I know it's a bit harsh, but I know. I guess it stops it stops you getting completely out of control if 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 that's what the kid wants to do on constantly. If that's all they're thinking about. Is, <laughs> yeah. I need to play Fortnite. I, I, no, I know they do. They, they, they get massively addicted to it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's all the in-game purchases and stuff. That's what that game is designed to do. So oh, of course, it's, yeah. It's probably emptied your bank balance a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about like, your um, drum for the song podcast? What made you start that? Where was where was the idea from that, and where did how did it come about? Yeah, well, um, I'm not sure when you started yours actually, but I started it. It was near the start of lockdown. But the idea had been in my head for about a year before that, because I was I, I spent a few you know years prior to that being heavy a heavy podcast listener, um, and I kind of got into it. And I'm like, hmm. I, I and I wasn't listening to many music ones at the time, but lots of like interview based ones. I'm like, oh, sure, I could do this. And then it was there was some festival we we did in Europe. I can't remember where it was, but I was I was sharing a stage. I think Megadeth playing, Limp Biscuit playing, um, and it was all these drum kits backstage. I was like, "Whoa, well, this is this is amazing!" Because we don't normally get to play those kind of festivals very often. It's normally like we'll be like headliner or main support, and then there's there's like smaller smaller bands. But then we were like early on, and there was all these massive bands that I used to be a fan of. I was like, "So that means all these drummers are here somewhere today." And I'm and I was like, oh, maybe one day I could maybe start like an interview series thing. It's something I'd be interested to listen to. And I know there are lots of drum related podcasts now. Um, I'm not saying I definitely wasn't the first one, but I don't think there's many that do like kind of what I do, and it's just talk about. Like we don't actually, I don't know if you've ever listened to our my show, but we don't talk about drums for a hell of a lot of it. It's more about the mm. person. Yeah, um, yeah, I've listened to quite a few of them. Ah, oh, cool. Thanks. We, you know, we dabble on, you know, what gear they use and for how, you know, who inspired them and things like that. But um, we don't get too nerdy. A lot of the other podcasts that are drum related are very, I guess they, they would only have ever appeal to a, a drummer. Yeah. One, or, or like someone particularly into like all the nerdy stuff or whether it's like the technical side of stuff or the the, the musical notation and technique rudiments i try and not talk about those kind of things too much because i want it to be accessible to people who don't play the drums mm, and mm. I, I think quite a lot of my listeners aren't drummers which is great so i've got a kind of got you know i can say yeah this is a podcast featuring drummers so any anyone who plays the drums can hopefully get something from it but yeah just anyone who's interested in the music industry or particularly interested in that guy's band or whatever or people who are into my band you know, a lot of people just listen to it because they're interested in me which is which is nice but um yeah that's that's the kind of that was my intention was to 
not be too drummy, basically. So if, if you see it, oh, it's a drum podcast. I'm not interested in yeah. that. It's not, we don't just talk about drums. It's like um, the um, the, the snoz one, the guy from the blackout. Oh, yeah, yeah. He hardly talks about drums at all, but that was like no. pure entertainment from start to finish. Oh, well, I knew it was going to be great, that one. I, so I, many rock and roll stories. <laughs> yeah, and enthusiastic, so enthusiastic. It was brilliant. Yeah, and um, yeah, for yes, his his new band uh, Valhalla awaits. You should check them out if you haven't already. They're great, and they they've also got um, Andrew. Who, if anyone saw my band last summer, we did have a standing guy singing for us for about four or five shows called Andrew Hunt, and he's a singer in this band Valhalla awaits. And he was also in a band. Well, he still is in the band called Buffalo Summer. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever come across those guys at a festival or a gig, um, that's his new band, Valhalla Awaits. Check them out. And uh, the yeah, drummer's need, on my podcast. I need to cool. uh, need to check that out. I was thinking that of checking that out when I heard it, but then I forgot. Yeah, they released a, they released a video a few days ago. It's, it's pretty cool. Nice nice and riffy. If you like your riffs. And, I like and a riff. Like that. <laughs> yeah, but that was it. It was kind of uh, lockdown hit. Suddenly I had all my gigs cancelled. I was like, well, now, now is the time to do it. And I noticed that people had started using Zoom to do the podcast thing. I'm like, that looks easier than ever now. I just need to buy a microphone. So mm. I bought a, a 20 quid USB microphone off Amazon. So like my first six or seven episodes are using that. And it sounds all right, to be honest. Mm. Um, I got a little, I got better ones now. But um, yeah, I just need a laptop. I, I did, I bought a better laptop eventually because the one I already owned wasn't really keeping up with the video editing because I do mine as video videos as well, not just audio, which adds to the workload, but it's worth (laughs) it because quite a large portion of my listeners prefer to watch it. I kind of ask them and maybe they're a bit more old school. They don't really have Spotify or know or understand how podcasts work or how you can get them. Mm -hmm. But like, if I just give them a YouTube link, they can, they know how to watch that or they know how to beam it to the TV or, or whatever. Yeah. So it's worth it's worth the extra effort for me, and I think YouTube is a good. It's a hard grind, but it's a good way for people to kind of randomly stumble upon the show as well. Um, and yeah, that's we're, we're really slacking on that. We've got all our videos, but we haven't put them on there. We've only got one full video on there, and the rest are just yeah. a picture and the podcast. But we have got them. Oh, that's it's, fine. Just haven't fine. got the time to edit them, put them on there, have we? Yeah, you know, as long as they're takes, on there. Yeah, as long as I think uh, there's a lot of shows like that. It's just a still image, but like, as long as the interview's there, it's, yeah. it means that someone can access it with the YouTube account, and that's all they need, or just the yeah. Link. I don't I think, think there's many people who want to see us ugly bastards. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah, I don't think I don't think people are like actively watching it, but it's just easier for them to you know access. But it does. It's a lot more work to do the video, and it takes longer to upload, and yeah, of course, all that stuff. And then you've got to do a if you <clears> if you want people to randomly hopefully find it one day like i spend a lot of time doing like thumbnails and stuff and i'm sure there's a lot i can improve on that side of things as well um but i've, I've certainly improved it since i started i think cool who's want, been your you favorite be... guest Ooh, ooh, it's tough i've had so many that i i, I finish it i'm like oh that was one of the best interviews ever <laughs> um for for various reasons like mickey d who was the drummer in motorhead was probably that was probably the, the most fun I had because I already knew Mickey. Yeah. 
and I just I didn't feel sometimes I feel a little bit nervous if it's someone I, I you know I'd never met before which quite often it is um or I just don't know much about them that can be a bit tricky sometimes mm. but yeah the Mickey D one because he knew who I was especially he was kind of a lot more open and that that was funny and I was able to talk about things from my own knowledge more than stuff I just researched about the yeah. day before or whatever you know you know how it is it's hard to get all the information as, as much as possible mm. um but other than that another early one um that I did um Matt Sorum he was great and he mm. was one of the first ones I did I think I did him it was like my f- fifth interview maybe or fourth interview yeah um his friend he's friends with my dad which I think helped so mm-hmm. he was immediately you know, a, a really approachable and made me feel really comfortable. And cause he's, you know, he's pretty much like a Hollywood, you know, he's a big Hollywood kind of famous guy. And I was oh, quite mate, like, we'd oh love God, to I, get him. I listened to that one and Mickey D and I thought they were yeah. both great. And uh, yeah, yeah. Just, just Matt Sorum um, all through the nineties drumming for GNR. We, we, we love GNR and he was just cool. like, the Matt Sorum drum solos in the Paris live gig that was streamed on Sky, like all that. And yeah, Matt Sorum, absolute legend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he, he comes Played in the really cold, well. you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, so um, I'd love to see him play now. Um, he, he, he does play shows, but mainly in the States and stuff. Um, mm. If he ever comes over, I'll try and go out of my way to go and, well, hopefully have a beer with him but um yeah definitely i'd love to watch him live um but yeah other than that like russell gilbrook from uriah heap was amazing and i i'd never met him before but he was just well how how can i say he he was so you could tell he was dedicated to being a musician and being a drummer and he was so knowledgeable about everything so that that is one of the ones where it, it maybe is a little bit more technical there's a lot of advice in there for, for musicians and drummers and stuff, uh-huh. but he was, he was a great guy. And I'd love to meet, meet, meet up with him one day as well in real, in real life, not on zoom. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. There's you know, the, the, some of the best ones there. I would say, I would say. Nice. Nice. Have you, have you, have you um, chatted to like any of the guys in like sort of like bands around your area? I mean, there's some big bands around your area, isn't there? Um, I've done, yeah, I've done a few. I've done, um, I've had Ronnie from those damn crows on. Mm. So he, he lives, uh, you know, half hour away. So that was, that's a really good, a good one as well. That's just like, we, we've known each other a long time. So it's similar to, I guess, the snores from the blackout and Valhalla awaits. I've known them for a long time. I, yeah. not, I don't know them on a personal level that I know everything about them. Like they're, they're my best mates, but I've played many shows with both of them over the years. Mm. So that was just like, two mates chatting that's a bit long that one i think that's that kind of hit the three hour mark so you need a few a few sit-ins for that one (laughs) yeah but we had a lot you know we could have gone on for longer but i had to you know stop it really but um yeah we talk about all sorts of stuff so that you know that's not and we talk about his dad who was a drummer i didn't even know that he was like a well-known jazz drummer Mm. and stuff like that um that's a really good one other welsh bands um sure there's a few more yeah ryan richards from funeral for a friend he's mm. been on he was one of my first guests i'm a massive fan um, of funeral for a friend oh, yeah, yeah i'm going to see it to go back and listen to that one then yeah <laughs> yeah you, you'll enjoy that that's in two parts because that was at 
my early stage when it was a two hour interview and I had some feedback. I said, oh, your first episode was two hours. It was too long. Uh, why don't you make it into two parts? Yeah. And then I, so I took that advice and did that. But then the second part didn't get any, anywhere near as many views as the first one. Oh, so I'm like, I'm not going to do that again mm, because mm. people maybe assume that they finished the interview and don't bother checking out the second part. So I, I don't oh, do that no. anymore. That's why I release them in one long, if there's a long, if it goes for, on for a long time, I'll just stick it all out. Mm. Um, I don't really stick time limits on unless the guest wants to really. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, um, kind of run. I don't want to run out of time and not get through what I was hoping to get through or promote whatever they promote in and stuff like that. So but yeah, I, I sure. always ask first, you know, sometimes they say, Oh yeah, yeah we'll do an hour. And, and I'm quite good. You never had the time limit conversation with anyone ever no you? no we've just cracked on and seen what happens you know well that's good yeah yeah you know some i there's been occasions yes, where been lucky i guess i've been part of like a day of press for someone and they've had they've had to go because they've got another another interview starting in 10 minutes or whatever yeah well, that's happened to me a few times so i always ask the question and i just want them to ex like expect it to potentially go on for longer than an hour and stuff like that and you know so I just give them the heads up if they want to. Yeah. Where nice. do you think that podcast is going, Dane? Like podcasting? Do you think it's just going to get bigger? Do you think it's going to become the main sort of medium of, uh, you know, of a media? Or do you think it's yeah. always going to stay at this kind of level? I think I think it's got a way more. There's definitely room for growth, I would think. Um, I think there's still a, a large percentage of the population not only in this country but imagine other parts of the world that are maybe a little bit behind us us in the uk and in you know the west and stuff and maybe it's not as common and you were and obviously there's different languages that maybe haven't been explored yet um but yeah like the idea of i'm fairly good with technology but i'm not that good but i know how to get a podcast on my phone there's still loads of people who don't even know how to do that. Yeah. Yet. But once yeah. they figure I've met that a lot out, of people that don't even know what a podcast is, and I'm not just making that yeah. up. Mm. No, exactly. Yeah. And so these when, are from when, all different generations and different walks of life, but they don't never absolutely. heard of it. Yeah. So I think, and and the fact that on in most case, cases you can get them for free is a you know it's free entertainment essentially, um, yeah. and people are busier now. There's more people moving about. There's more people. Well, saying that, a lot of people are working from home, but I'm sure there's lots of people who blag their time working from home as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stick a podcast on in the background while you're doing the office stuff. I'm sure you can do that. Um, it's just an ideal, and it's an ideal way of learning. I'm not saying that like mine or your podcast is particularly educational, but there are lots of them out there that are. And yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of things that can be learned Um whether they're like extra curricular for youngsters or, or in an area that an adult's thinking of, oh, I wouldn't mind getting to know more about that, whether they can be career changing. Mm. This, 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 what is going to be more difficult then is standing out. Yeah. Because there's already, I don't know the figures, there's probably millions of podcasts that exist. And that's the one thing that I'm sure you struggle with as well as I know I do is 
getting people to find yours yeah of course yeah um, yeah and um and 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 yeah that's the hardest thing and i think that's obviously going to get harder the more than there are but yeah. as there's going to be more consumers i think um there's a lot of guys out there that think it's gonna like multiply by like hundred thousand mm. um but you know I, i'm not a stats man really but uh, yeah i think there's definitely <laughs> room for growth but uh yeah just tell if you're listening to this if you know someone who doesn't know what a podcast is just maybe have a word with them over a pint one day or just send them a link to say, look, this is that podcast I was telling you about. This, yeah. This band, you, this band, you like more this link guy. sharing. <laughs> yeah. Link, you know, and, 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 and that's the other thing that annoys me is with like social media and stuff. If you're sharing a link, like social media, just, just tries to stop you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we want you to stay on our app or our site. Um, and that's the, that's the other thing I find difficult and, it can really get me down sometimes is I think, all right, I've got this really famous drummer on my show. And then I announce it and it just flops because the social media numbers don't, well, they just don't allow my followers to see it. Really. No. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't have the, you can hashtag to, it up and it just doesn't go yeah. anywhere. The Instagram yeah, just so, blocked you and put you so far down. That you can't yeah. get is that when you first go on Instagram and you first start promoting the podcast, it gets to everyone. And now it's no, like, it's, it's just like, it's <laughs> no, but it's, you can tell it went further. Yeah. And now it feels like our page is in jail <laughs> and they've got the key <laughs> and they're stopping and it the, from going out. Basically. That's a, good, that's a good way of describing That's it. how I feel. And I can yeah. tell you feel the same, but yeah, yeah they, it, they, they've got us, they've got us, you know, yeah, and they want you to pay. They want you to go yeah. sponsored, sponsored. They want you to pay. You can go on Facebook, twenty quid to promote. You want to promote this to another two thousand people for twenty quid? No, I fucking don't. <laughs> oh, I swore now. Is, Look, I, you made me swear. <laughs> you can tell you, you really feel passionate about that. And I do. I just, I, I just did, think it's I did bullshit. One advert, I think. Yeah, it is. It is rubbish. And um, I did do one advert for the podcast. I don't. And the the, the, the annoying thing is, I'm not selling anything. So. I'm not like, yeah. it's not as if I can, I could put 20 quid on this advert and then I'm going to sell hundred t-shirts. It, you know, it's not going to, it's not, never going to happen. Yes, I do mm. have merch, but it's, that's not a direct thing that the podcast is about. I just want someone to click it and listen to it yeah. for free and hopefully enjoy it and then listen to more and, and build it that way. Um, but yeah, social media advertising doesn't really see that. They just think, oh, it's business yeah. or they see yeah. it as a business. Your podcast is a true DIY punk podcast like ours. It's, you know, we're doing yeah. it ourselves. We're not selling nothing. We're giving it for free. And, yeah. and, and yet it still gets blocked. It should be, should be um, celebrated, yeah. you know, yeah. not, not downtrodden. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's a similar thing. Like, I, I guess if you're in bands and stuff, it's very similar to that. It's even harder maybe for, for a band because they know you're trying to sell a ticket to a show or a tour or, or an item of merch or the amount of merch that we've we've spent a lot of money trying to promote merch and it's it's not worth it half the time mm. it doesn't translate into the sales and yeah it reckons that oh yeah twenty thousand people saw this post i'm like did they <laughs> really because we've only sold like 10 t-shirts yeah. <laughs> or, or whatever and it might be annoying if you're scrolling through your feed and it, it crops up you just got to think it's a band just trying trying their best to promote their art and their work. Yeah. Just, um, it, it can, and, and I guess it can attract 
it can put you on the feeds of people that don't even know who you are. So you're never going to sell a t-shirt to someone who doesn't even know you, who you are. Mm, and sometimes yeah. that can happen by accident because it thinks they're part of your um, demographic or whatever. Um, and that, yeah, because that happens to me sometimes. I'm like, go and see this band on tour. I'm like, never heard of them before. Mm. Well, I'm, I, they've paid for me to see that. And I, and, I, and I find that really annoying because if, I, if I'm on the other end of that and I'm paying for adverts to go into people's Facebook feeds that never heard of my band, I'm like, all right, well, I want my money back. <laughs> That's yeah. not what I asked for. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's just annoying. So I just, I haven't bothered. I just try and do everything organic. Yeah, so that, I think that is a good thing about doing this. And sometimes it feels like, you know, a rewardless, um, I call it work. I don't know if you guys call it work, right? I, it is a lot of work to do it um, <laughs> yeah. with all the preparation and all the editing and the promotion. Just like I, I did a post on social media yesterday and across all the different platforms on my personal pages and sharing it on there. And, and it, I was there for like an hour on my phone posting on all these different <laughs> groups and stuff. I'm like, I'm only sharing one little thing. It takes me like an hour every time. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, what was I going to say? Yeah, it's, it, it, it seems like a rewardless job quite often and sometimes it gets me down and i'm sometimes i'm like should i just give up and, I, and then something good happens or someone replies to an email and i'm like oh that's exciting let's let's go and do that and yeah sometimes i do want to give up and and i'm like what this time i'm i'm spending doing this i could be playing drums getting better at drums going for a run going to the gym seeing my wife more, playing with my cat, going to see my mum. All, all these little things that like, I, I think I could do with, um, with my time. But I'm like, no, I've got, I got to keep it going. I've got, you know, I've got a good, good thing going here um, to, a, you know, to a degree. Um, but sometimes, yeah, it does, it does you know, stress me out and causes me, I do get a bit of anxiety from it, mm. especially if I know, I know a dead, like I give myself deadlines, but, and that's the one thing I wanted to bring up, actually. I don't know what you guys do. I used to strictly release episodes every two weeks. Yeah. Most of last year, I did that fairly successfully. But I, for a lot of that time, I was just stressed and anxious. Mm. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I put a lot of pressure on myself and I'd be spending, you know, my weekends heading my laptop headphones on doing this stuff um and then i took is it december off december 2021 and i was doing more hours in my day job and that's why it's hard to kind of juggle everything and i decided like from now on or at least for the time being i'm just going to stick to one a month Mm. uh, and go with that but for for my kind of mental health reasons really because it was causing me a lot of stress knowing right I've released that one great gotta start on the next one now or and then planning enough interviews so I'd have a few in the bag and if I knew I'd I didn't have any on my hard drive I'd be like right I got I got three weeks to interview someone and 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 yeah, it was man, just stressful it it's hard so it's I, I've it's a shame because I'm sure it'll stop the growth of my podcast, not releasing so often, but I am a lot happier since I've kind of That's more important than anything, isn't it? Really? You know, yeah. There's yeah, no I point in I th- getting stressed over it. <clears throat> yeah. 
so I think I think I'm in a happier place now, and I'm actually in the stage where I've got a few in the bag, and I've got a few. In, I had I had an inquiry today from like a quite a big band, uh, I guess, p- press agent or something, asking me, "Oh, would you be interested in doing one in person in London?" Like I'm going to reply saying I can't do one in person in London, but I'm definitely interested in interviewing you put your your client definitely yeah. but that's amazing i've never had i haven't had people come to me much it's always me obviously coming to them but they must have discovered the show somehow um so that's nice yeah it's awesome and yeah, yeah whenever you get cool. like a feedback from someone you don't know who says yeah. oh you know listen this is really good like you know cheers you know it's like oh that's that's kind of made it worthwhile doing that episode or whatever you know yeah yeah and and and, and People obviously take different things from each episode based on what their personal experiences are. Mm. Um, whether there's a certain guest that they relate to or something that happened, or obviously sometimes we talk about quite serious things. Um, and yeah, it can it affects people in different ways. But yeah, I guess, and that's I think that's what's keeping me going. Really, it's just the knowing that people look forward to it every month or whatever. Um, and it's, it becomes part of their, you know, entertainment for the month, um, whether they're a drummer or not. And hopefully I'm helping drummers as well to a small degree and mm. it's, or at least inspiring them. Because I think that's sometimes I come away from an interview and I'm like, right, I really want to go and play drums now. And it inspires me. But I'm like, damn, I can't because I got a bloody head this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it, it inspires me. And I listen to a few other drum po- podcasts to do something similar. And it, it makes me just want to come home from work and jump on my electric kit for an hour because what they've said has inspired me and um yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping my show does something similar anyway yeah totally that's really cool so we're gonna ask you a very strange question are you ready for this i'm ready yeah go go for it (laughs) i'm gonna let you ask it because it's your favorite question well it's yeah i mean it's (laughs) it's our goofy question we ask everyone and it's You've only got one song to send into space for any other life forms to hear. Um, just one. It could be anything. It could be one of your songs. It could be a, a hit. It could be a pop hit, rock hit, anything, any. Just just one song. This would this be like the only song that survives that goes up there. That was wow. Earth. That was Earth. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um... And H said, do people actually answer this when yeah, he came on? He did, yeah. <laughs> and I made him. <laughs> oh, I just, oh, where'd you start? I'm glad, it's good that you ask a question like this because it does get you thinking. I do something similar on mine. But um, right, where do I start? I'm probably going to be biased by what I've listened to lately, which isn't a lot. I've kind of been getting into the kind of been doing a bit of a Beatles phase since the Get Back documentary. Kind of rediscovered my love again for them. Um, but then I don't know. Nothing springs to mind that I, I'm like, you need to hear this. Um, <laughs> possibly. Um, I don't know, thinking here's got wacky. him thinking. Something completely wacky. So, like for other life forms and stuff, for other life forms. Okay. Um, we'll tell you some of the ones we've had as a bit of inspiration. Okay. So, and I'll have a think in the meantime. H, H, you know, you you was on H's one, wasn't you? Um, 
He said Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Queen. Um, Jesse from Killswitch Engage, he said Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Was it One Love? No. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. What else we had? Oh, oh. I don't know. That, Neil, was it Neil? He said. Someone said Wonderwall. That, yeah, no, that's that. high power. I definitely wouldn't say that. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> If everyone, anyone who listens to my show or has ever listened to another interview with me knows I'm not big into the Oasis, sadly. Which is odd because I'm a big Beatles fan and apparently they love the Beatles. I had no idea. <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard an Oasis song and gone, wow, that was amazing. Well, oh, that's, never. that's because you've already heard that version of that song done by the Beatles. Oh, come on, Hobo. Yeah, no, don't diss the Oasis. <laughs> no, I like Oasis. I don't sorry, diss the no, Oasis. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I've never been convinced. Sorry. There's, oh, uh, I do, there's one Oasis. I don't mind. The one, which was the one? I don't know the song titles, but it is one that's pretty cool. But um, I think it's a lot, because I just know that the guy's a bit of a douchebag. I don't want to <laughs> like him as well. It is a lot, lot to do with that, I think. Um, right. I had an idea when you said Bob Marley. Not that I'm a big fan, but I think it's a powerful song. I don't know what it's called. What is it? Say the, don't worry about a thing. Is it just called Don't Worry? Don't every know. little thing oh, yeah. is going to be, be all right. right. Oh, it's a great song. Don't, it just makes you feel good, doesn't it? It does, actually, and think, yeah. And I think what whenever... What is that called? <laughs> I can't remember. I've known it my whole life. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure anyone knows it. But yeah, whatever it is called, that would be a good one. Yeah. Is it, yeah. If, if, it, it, presumably, it, if that was happening and the world was ending, or or whatever, I didn't say it was ending. All oh, right, <laughs> I did not say the world was ending. Ah, right. I just said you've so got to send it out there. Ah, okay. Well, I, I think that'll be good. It's happy. It's a happy song. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm not. I, I don't know. I don't know a hell of a lot of Bob Marley's stuff. I probably know all the kind of big hits and stuff, but. Having from a musical perspective, I enjoy it, and yeah, ly lyrically, he had something going, you know. Mm, and mm. I, I feel something when I when that song comes on, and like what I was talking about earlier, sometimes you kind of get a little bit stressed or, or or sad or you know anxious about something or de depressed about something in the news, and that can just kind of change your attitude a little bit. Yeah, so it's quite quite a powerful song, even though it's fairly simple, but. You know, I think it's a good one. Yeah, I think he had quite a few songs like that, didn't he? That were just had like a nice message, you know, like nothing. Yeah, called "Don't Worry, Be Happy." Is it? Yeah, I thought that's Bobby McFerrin. No, it was it was Bob Marley. "Don't Worry, Be Happy." That's a that's a good one. I, I'm pleased you said yeah. that. Now, yeah. I think that's a good I, choice. Have you got one song that you prefer playing as a drummer more than any other song? Uh... School by in... School by Nirvana, isn't it? School by Nirvana. I'd love to play that. It'd be awesome. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I've had that. I've had that in my head for the last hour. It's just that riff's just been buzzing away. But the the annoying thing is with my Dave Grohl band, we, we can't play that song because he didn't play on that album. That's no, he didn't. Of course he didn't. He's not playing Damn. on that one. So yeah, I can't play yeah, that song. Yeah, but surely you could be. Mm. I mean, <laughs> like from the Muddy Banks, he plays it on there. Uh, You're covering the live version. You can totally pull it off. Yeah, you just do it. Just do it. 
It's a grey area, isn't it? But uh, God, yeah, yeah, right. Um, what a drama, man! What a drama! Oh, I was just thinking yeah. back to that um, clip you put on yesterday with uh, Mark Lanigan singing "Queens of the Stone Age." Oh yeah, yeah that, oh, I had to put something on. Just there. watching it's Grail hysterical. drums, insanity, wasn't it? it was, yeah, that was obviously sad news. Very sad yeah. news. Um, mm. Yeah, like, I didn't know what to write. I just put the, you know, the prayer symbol. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not good at typing up stuff like that. Um, and I don't think any of my band members are really good with words when it comes to like heartfelt posts and so we're like whereas other bands you quite often if someone especially in the music industry has, has passed away or whatever um you quite often see a lot of people write nice dedicated posts mm. and like like we don't tend to do that much and i it does i don't want people to think it's because we don't care it's just like we have nothing we can we're obviously sad as well being massive yeah. music fans and often fans of these people but it's just hard to <clears throat> use the correct words. I know. And do you know what? We don't I, do that much. I saw people online today, like, um, uh, like really attacking like um, Josh Homme for not for not putting anything up. And well, I thought, yeah, well, they, they I thought, is that what we've come down to now? I mean, they were really close mates. He's obviously yeah. grieving in his own way. Yeah. Why yeah. should his first thought be, I need to put something on, yeah. on fucking Facebook? Do you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And that's, I think it's that's crazy. It is crazy. And that's why if I wasn't in a band and I didn't have a podcast to promote, I'd probably delete all my social media. Mm. Cause it's mm. like, why is that? Why is that the first thing we do? Like I'm guilty of it myself. I don't post the hell of a lot of personal stuff, but I aimlessly scroll through loads of pointless crap every day. Mm. And I we don't realize I'm doing it. <laughs> I don't, well, I do realize I'm doing it, but then I, once I finish, I'm like, why have I just done that for the last 10 minutes? It's mm, yeah. wasted time. Yeah, And I think it, it's it's an amazing thing, but ultimately, I think it can it can cause. Well, it's just a, it can be a massive waste of time, mm. and again, it can be another. It can be a cause of all sorts of stuff. Like I said, just with the news, when I read all this new stuff, like that, yeah. that makes me sad. <clears throat> For luckily, I'm not a 15 year old girl looking at models on Instagram every day because mm. I'm sure mm. that's an even worse. Well, it definitely is a lot of heavily filled situation. Heavily filled yeah, people. And, and all, all the stuff they're going through. <clears throat> like when I was when I was a teenager, like we had MySpace and stuff like that, but it wasn't a real you know, it was it wasn't really it was the visual thing and the selfie thing and all that. And mm. but it, it wasn't like showing off your bodies and stuff like Instagram is just crazy and TikTok and all this stuff. Yeah. And I just think. It's, it's, it's not. It's not good, and it's 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 making it's making normal looking people hate themselves because yeah. of the way they look because they don't look like all all this kind of all these models. Which probably, no, I'm not saying all of them obviously, but a lot of them have probably had surgery in various areas. Yeah, but, nope. but all the Botox and airbrushing on in the in, in, and and stuff like that. But people think that's what I'm meant to look like. Yeah, well, exactly that's what that. I want to look like. What's I and I'm like, all right, it's bad. And, and like, luckily, there is obviously a lot of that from the male perspective as well. But the body, you know, all the, I, I have, I hate my body. I, I can't even take my top off in public. I hate it. But um, at least I don't let images of other buff blokes get to me too much. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh, be nice to look like that. But I haven't got the 
time and <laughs> the effort level spend that much time in the gym I, I have you know i do like a bit of exercise i think it's good to exercise and as, as much as you can or once a week twice a week whatever you can do is good for your mind as well as your body i, I definitely promote that but you know a few years ago i did used to go to the gym three or four times a week and i did used to spend an hour and a half doing cardio and weights to try and tone up let's say lose a bit of fat and the amount of time i spent there and i made so little you know improvements i'm like man to, to look like that you've got to make a huge sacrifice you're like you you need to your life you needs gotta to live it yeah you need to live it you need to dedicate your entire Every life day in there to that six six pack and your diet and it's like life's too short man for that yeah mm -hmm. and and you know and so like yeah you know take it or leave it yeah you know i would love to have a six-pack and and muscles and pecs but i'm like hey I, I there's not enough time in the day for for that to even happen but it there's i'm sure there's lots of blokes out there that, that gets them down and they try and they try and they can't quite get like their favorite bodybuilder on instagram or youtube or whatever and they're taking all the supplements spending all their money on the supplements and mm. You know, I know, I know people who've even done like steroids and stuff, which apparently helps, but that's, it's got, it's bad for you in lots of other ways. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, but people, people still take it regardless, knowing the risks because mm. they think they look better. Vanity, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's, it's a vanity thing. And, but if that's, you know, if that's what, if they want to look that way to feel happier, like it's, it's, it's difficult to say let them do it if, if that's how they're going to feel happier rather than the, than them like be depressed about it all but it's all caused by the social media stuff I think. yeah yeah i wasn't even on social media before i started this podcast oh yeah, really show me how to use it yeah wow well, your yeah. life was great it was and i didn't <laughs> give a fuck about anything yeah <laughs> now he lives on instagram <laughs> I mean, oh, he man. does all the Instagram stuff. Like, I don't want to get affected by it. All. He's great. He, here. And I've already just... got a six pack anyway. It's in the fridge. At home. <laughs> <laughs> do you, um, I was going to say, do you just have the, the podcast account or do you have a personal account as well? Personal, I've, yeah. I've got a podcast account and Instagram made me a personal one. That's weird. I'm not fucking lying. I did not do it. It made me my personal one. Yeah. And went there. It that's is. Really you can use it. It just came oh. up, and I was yeah, like, "That's bad." I know. Yeah, I think. I think because I did not do it. We on my the... life, it just made me one. Yeah, but we made. And the... it was just called Perks Nine Two Two, and it was completely blank, and it was there. It's just like you've got access to this. You can do it. In the end, I started up... putting some pictures on there. Because we signed yeah. up with your email address. That's why it does it. Is that why it did it? Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. how it happens. It's crazy. <laughs> can I ask you? Yeah. A I wanted to ask you, you, you played, was it with Phil Campbell and Bastard Sons, you supported Guns N' Roses? Is that right? Yeah, we did um, four Tell shows me about it. supporting them. Oh, man, it was... Tell me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely insane, right? The fir first show was um, Switzerland, what's the capital of Switzerland? Um, uh, Geneva? Zurich. No. Zurich. No, Zurich. Yeah, Zurich Stadium outdoor thing. Crazy. Um, biggest gig I'd ever done up to that point very nervous and <laughs> zurich stadium you're playing in there wow that was, yeah it was like i think it was fifty thousand people and um yeah it was 
we didn't know what the crowd were going to be like. Uh, we were on early. I think we were the openers. So we might might not have been full by then, to be honest. We might not have been quite 50,000, but it was a bloody big crowd. Mm. And um, yeah, uh, strangely, well, I think we played all right. Tough crowd, though, to be honest with you. Mm. I think because they're because it's they're such a big, massive band, you do get a lot of people buying buying a ticket to go and see them because they want to hear Sweet Child of Mine or whatever. Yeah, maybe don't even know you know the back catalogue of Guns and Roses <clears throat> yeah. so much. I think there's you know a high percentage of that kind of crowd. So as a support band, and I guess a name they'd never heard of. It seemed like a lot of people weren't that really weren't really that bothered, um, but it was a hell of an experience. Mm. And from it was a def- definitely a learning curve that not all gigs are easy. Yeah, of course. Even you think, oh, you're playing in front of fifty thousand people. This will be great. We're a good band. Doesn't always mean you go down well. Um, but yeah, the second gig, and now this is where it gets crazy. Even though. Right, the second gig was at Imola Racetrack in Italy, so where they do the Formula One. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, <clears throat> crazy, boiling hot. Sat, it was on a Saturday, I remember. But the difference with that gig is that the doors opened at like 12 in the afternoon, and we were the first band on at maybe, I can't remember, 5.30, 6 o'clock maybe. Yeah. So it was absolutely rammed, and apparently it was 100,000 people. Oh my God. Which is... In Sam, they'd all been right? drinking for <laughs> yeah, four so hours that we did go down a bit better on that show, <laughs> and I think that <laughs> yeah. helped, um, helped you know, maybe the, the, the occasion and maybe, yeah, more, more people were boozed up or whatever. But that was incredible because you literally could not see where the crowd ended, yeah, uh, unbelievable. That's amazing that you've had that experience, Dane. That, it, it is amazing, absolutely amazing, very, yeah, and I'm very grateful for that opportunity because it, it may you know i may well the chances are i'll probably never play to a crowd that big again in my life and if it does happen i'd be very lucky man um but yeah the and the other thing that made it an interesting experience was it was a very like everything about the guns and roses kind of camp Mm. It was very, everything was quite strict and like, we're very, we, we were very experienced with, you know, how to behave as a support band, you know, and, and in terms of the backstage etiquette and all this stuff. And, uh, even, even then, and I still, <laughs> we used to wear these denim jackets on stage. The other boys still do. I don't bother anymore. Cause I say I get too hot, but, um, we were getting ready to go on. I don't know if, it, if, if this was Italy or one of the other shows, but, um, I had my jacket uh, like uh, on my on my arm, and I put it down. So I was doing my stretches before I was going on stage. I didn't realize what I put it down on. I put it down on top of Axel's piano. <laughs> <laughs> but like some security guy comes and tells me off for like putting my my jacket on Axel's. Oh piano. my god! I was like, oh shit, shit! Oh, we don't get thrown off at all because <laughs> like we were so scared of doing anything wrong, and like. One thing my dad did, um, we were on a tour bus. We had to be for that run. And uh, we pulled into, I think it was Imola, the day before the show, it was a day off. They had, Guns N' Roses probably had about 20 trucks full of staging, lighting gear, all this stuff. We just had like one little bus. And um, 
our tour manager the night before uh, had mentioned, he'd had an email from like the Guns N' Roses tour manager or, or whatever saying, oh, there's uh, breakfast available in the catering tomorrow, but only for drivers because it must be like a budget thing. But you, your, your bus driver is welcome to join the breakfast. Mm-hmm. My dad was already in bed by that point. Didn't really get the message. <laughs> and the first thing he does, we and we get up in the morning, we go for a wander around Imola because it was a beautiful day. We're like, I'm not going to stay in the bus all day. Let's go into town. First thing my dad does, get off the bus, find you know, find the shower or toilet or whatever. Then he, he obviously sees a canteen or whatever, goes in with his, his pass or whatever, and um, just assumes, oh, you know, it's, it's breakfast for everyone uh someone spots him in like the guns and roses camp i don't know who it was uh but then obviously sends a message saying oh yeah phil campbell was uh in in on the driver's breakfast and he wasn't allowed to be so we get told off like, <laughs> if that happens again <laughs> if you're I, I don't know if it was as, as brutal as if this happens again you're off the tour but it was like a strict warning never do this again and all that oh, God. <laughs> and um yeah so you've got to be careful what you do man and um yeah it was that was funny and uh while i was talking while we're talking about catering during the shows yeah there's catering for everyone there's so many crew members and stuff it was the most incredible thing i've ever seen in my life in, in that switzerland show especially right there was it was co- like coconuts you know you get like coconuts cut off and you get like coconut water out of, out of a coconut or whatever yeah. Yeah. drink with a straw they are them with like guns and roses logos uh, <laughs> like the stamped stamped or grew, like uh, um engraved into them <laughs> it was it was insane and all this like like i've, I've done like festivals where the catering is pretty top-notch but this was absolutely insane and it was incredible um with guns and roses and coconut yeah, honestly, I, I've got a photo. Have you still somewhere. got one? Have you got one of the shells? No, I, I should, I should have you kept, could have the kept. shell there between those two guitars. I know that would be cool. Should I, know, I should have. I should have. I think we were just kind of going with it, and like I've kept all my passes and stuff like that. I, I always keep passes. They're in a box somewhere. I don't really display them, but they're there if I ever want to go through them, and it'll make me remember. Oh, I remember that gig. But um, oh, incredible experience. We did four shows, so it was Switzerland, uh, Imola somewhere in Germany, Mannheim, I want to say, and Munich, Munich Stadium, which is like the Olympic Stadium. And that was, oh, that was right. a crazy experience. But yeah, the, the German shows are pretty good. And I think a lot of that was to do with, number one, because Motorhead were quite big in Germany. So there was probably maybe a higher percentage of people who kind of knew who my dad was, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, and they, you know, they're into their rock, heavy rock a bit more, so and stuff like that but yeah um whether we'll ever get experiences like that again i don't know but um was it just you guys and them or was there other bands as well on the there was there was always another band on after us but it it, it was different every night Mm. so one night it was one night it was the darkness and that was pretty cool Mm. um like yeah we we shared a dressing room with them but we didn't really see them much Mm. and i'm I'm gutted about that now because it would have been nice to say hello because they don't you know they're on a similar I'm not saying they're obviously bigger than us, but I mean, they, they play similar kind of shows that we do, similar yeah. kind of festivals and stuff. It'd be nice to say hello. Um, one night it was Killing Joke. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. 
And again, I didn't say hello to them. Well, it was just difficult to, because everything was, you were very separate. I remember yeah. like our dress, a dress room was like a 20 minute walk from the stage and mm. crazy, it was crazy things like that. And then everything was very separate and the band members of Guns N' Roses would get driven in, in like blacked out Mercedes. They'd have one each. And then like the backing singer and the keyboard player would come out <laughs> one shade for everyone. And then as soon as the show ended, they'd get, get back in those cars and drive drive off to presumably some posh hotel somewhere nearby. Yeah. It was crazy. So we didn't really... So you never saw them Axel. at all. I never saw <laughs> Axel once. Like apart from when he was on the stage, I didn't see him anywhere else. Mm. So like, you know, you like... I saw the... Again, one of my regrets. Didn't say hello to their drummer. Should have. Didn't. But apparently he, he pulled my singer aside and said, oh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed your voice and all that. So I'm sure he would have been great to talk to. Who is the drummer now? Up. I can't even think of uh, it. Uh, Isn't it Frank, Frank someone? Frank Ferrer. Yeah, Ferrer. Yeah. I'm not, not sure how to yeah. pronounce I've that. Seen, I've seen him. Oh, we, saw, we saw him at the West Ham Stadium, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. So, it was great. Yeah. So I want to hit him up somehow. I'm sure. And But yeah, um, Slash and Duff were friendly with my dad. They, they um, annoyingly, it was straight after we came off stage. So I was packing my drums away. Mm. And um, they went to say hello to my dad for like 10 minutes after one of the sets. Um, I'll sing a Neil because he doesn't have any gear. He just kind of goes back and straight to the dressing room. So he had all these photos with Slash and Duff. And by the time we got to the dressing room, they, they'd already left. But we oh, quickly damn. said hello while they left. But that was it. That was it. It was yeah. a quick hello, and they were like, "Oh, thanks for doing the show. Hope you're, hope you're enjoying it." But um, yeah, it was very, very small interaction between us and them. Um, there was security, lots of security guards walking around with them. Um, just yeah, just a, just a weird another level of stardom, really. Mm. Um, but I've I got guess a ticket to go this say, year, Dane. Ah, cool, cool. I mean, it's rolled over. Just rolled over for two years. It's yeah. at Spurs. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's weird because I'm, I'm a Spurs fan, and, and but it's at Spurs. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, it's yeah. a shame I don't think they're doing Wales, but um, not, not, not many people do Wales, but we've got a nice stadium as well. But uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll enjoy that. I don't know what. Yeah. They, it's probably the same. Well, set. I've managed to see him. Like, all, <laughs> I saw him in 92 at Wembley, 93. Oh, wow. Yeah, 93 yeah. at Milton Keynes Bowl. And they had wow. the cult, the cult supporting them. And Blind Melon. And Blind Melon. Um, and then I saw them at with you at the West Ham Stadium. That was what was that? 2018, 19. Something like that, yeah. Like that, yeah. <clears throat> and then this gig, so that's gonna be the, the four big times they've played over here. Incredible. So yeah. I would have that's done good. that. <laughs> yeah. Interesting facts. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I'm just want I just want to know if they're going to release do a new album or not because I think that's what they need to do. I keep saying it. Well, they've got an EP coming out tomorrow, I think. Um, they? Hard score EP, but it's got it's got the two new tracks on the mm. new tracks. They're old vocal tracks, aren't they? They're like yeah. vo vocals from like 20 years ago. Um. So and 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 two um two live tracks, I think. Um. I think live and let die and something else, but, um, right. but yeah, I've heard the live versions. These, to be honest with you, these vocals are fucked. He can't sing for mm. shit anymore. It's a real shame, you know, 
We it just, didn't sound it, that bad at that. It just sounds out of breath and just London knackered. Stadium. Yeah, but when you're in a stadium and the, and someone's singing and you've got the full band in your face, you you don't really yeah. hear the vocals as much as you do when it's recorded. You know, mm. yeah, that's a good point actually. Yeah, because you're not if it's been recorded, you're hearing that more of an isolated sound. Yeah, directly what he sounded like. But if you're in yeah, if you're in a stadium full of other noise going on. I guess you're not really quite hearing it because I when I thought he did really well on the shows we did with him, mm. but I, I noticed that a lot of people were still criticizing uh, his vocal. I was like, oh, I thought I thought he was kind of you could tell, you know, he asked the falsetto some of the notes that he never used to or sing below every now and again. But at the end of the day, that's what it's physically what happens. Yeah, of course, yeah, to, yeah, a, totally. to a bloke, I think, and it's a lot. It's the same with a lot of kind of mm. you know older singers. They used to have really big ranges sadly the range has been compressed somewhat yeah yeah they can't kind of reach the high notes they used to so you just got to be grateful that they're still doing it yeah, yeah totally. go and, see them. and you know if like if the new slash album's anything to go by if they start writing stuff together again then there's no reason why they couldn't you know cobble yeah. together a very good rock album you know it'd be it'd be slamming and like with duff as well i'm sure he'd, he'd be really helpful in the in the writing stage and yeah um, and like richard fortas the, the other guitar player he's incredible he yeah. blew me away every night i know every, like he doesn't get the spotlight like the yeah, slash no, he is and he, he is. was amazing at the yeah amazing absolutely amazing and he was in nine inch nails wasn't he was he i, was don't, he? I don't know no, i don't know really I'm, sure think. I'm sure he was at one point <laughs> oh maybe at one point he was. he was incredible anyway and, and i was in awe watching him because i i just thought all right this is rhythm guitarist and he was mm. he was amazing he was note perfect he looks a bit like <laughs> Izzy anyway didn't he <laughs> similar yeah, style similar, yeah well oh, man and i i was blown away by him and like obviously i love slash's playing mm. but you can tell that slash is kind of improvising a lot more on the spot um i don't i don't like you not blagging it he obviously knows what he's doing but he, mm. he's obviously very improvised style um, whereas Richard Fortas, you could tell every, every note that he played, he knew he was going to play it and why he was playing it. And it was executed to a very high standard. And yeah. The accuracy was incredible, I thought. But um, yeah, such a talented, talented band. And like, the, I can't remember the name of the guy who was playing piano, but he was amazing as well. Dizzy uh, Reed. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, amazing band. And, yeah, I guess if, it's probably all sold out. Is it the top? But people should go and see them while they can. Just yeah, I'd like to see them again. I have another like argument. Come with us then. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> probably cost you a couple of hundred quid. Yeah. I imagine it's got to be worth it. It's got to be worth it. <laughs> I think so. For that, for that. I think, kind of I think when I bought it two years ago, it was eighty-five. Yeah, but they are. Like, I think they are about two hundred now, because obviously oh, wow. it's sold sold out. Wow. Yeah. Or, or, or I might just go and see Tool and, and buy one of those vinyl box sets for 800 quid. Have you heard yeah. about that? I saw, again, I saw a headline scrolling through. <laughs> 800 and, quid for a box set? Yeah. And I was like, cause I, I quite, I've, I've been a bit of a Tool fan all my life. Um, so I'm interested in what they do. And, but I'm, yeah, that, I don't know how they justify that. They but, can't justify it. But what's but crazy, can't... all you get is their last album. On right. five discs, 
you know, five five vinyl records. And that's all it is. And it's signed by the band, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the ironic thing. They're selling them at the shows for $810. And people are up in arms about it. But they're selling out every night. And people are putting them on eBay for $2,000. And they're selling. So the band are like, how can you tell us we're selling them for too much money when they're selling for double on eBay? Which is true, that. really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's, what's, that's what's crazy about the world of band merchandise, right? And on a very, very smaller scale, like I've experienced a similar thing with our band where like, we did like a, a limited edition like, vinyl EP and, you know, we sold them for 20 quid, you know, standard kind of vinyl price or whatever. Yeah. Signed. Signed, just, you know, just for something for the fans. And that. But they, they, people sell them on eBay for like over 100 quid and stuff. Mm. So as a band, you're like, damn, are we, are we like, are we selling this stuff too cheap? Are we, cheapening, <laughs> are we cheapening our, well, it's mainly my dad's signature, I suppose. But um, it, it even happens with like signed CDs that we, we, we've sold for like 10 euros. And then people are paying 50 euros for them on eBay. I'm like, well, why are we selling them? Well, I don't know. It's difficult. If, if we sold them for 50 euros, on our merch desk, we get criticized for it, but it, mm. there's obviously a, a demand for people to spend that much on them. I'm not saying I want to do that, but yeah. as a band, it's frustrating because you're like, like we, we've made the minimal amount of profit on this. And obviously nowadays, merch is very important um, part of the income of the band. Mm. It's like, it's live shows and merch is like the only yeah, thing. Really, you don't get royalties anymore. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah, the Spotify thing's a joke, but, um, yeah, so you kind of want to maximize where you can, but not take the piss. But then, what? What do? You, how do you defy taking the piss if someone's willing to pay for something? They're either willing to buy it or they're not. Yeah. So it's a it's a fine line. But like we've always ended up, we always sell things as cheap as we can, and hopefully people think they're getting a good deal, and they'll buy something else next time or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's quite annoying when you see these vinyls. People are profiting. Eight hundred. Yeah. Right. <coughs> that, that, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I'm not saying you know that is a crazy amount, but then they they justified to say, well, if so, some some other guy is willing to pay two grand for one. Mm. So and, what and, about? And I... Sorry, Dane. No, go on. Um, this new thing now, this NFTs on the internet. Have you heard about all about that? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm actually quite these, interested in them. Selling, mm. yeah, because they're like paintings in cyberspace aren't they and you can buy kind parts of, yeah. you can buy parts of of them or buy the whole piece of art but you have to buy it with um is it ethereum coin i'm, That's I'm how not you, sure how they work yeah i think you you buy it you, you you pay money to get an ethereum coin like it's like a bitcoin and then yeah. you purchase an nft with the ethereum and then if you get an NFT, it gives you like benefits, like some of them, like these seven million pound NFTs or whatever, cyberpunk, I think it's the monkeys. You get to go on like private jets and party with top celebrities and stuff and fly around, fly around drinking champagne if you own an NFT. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about that. kind. This of means thing. nothing to me. And, uh, you know, Avenged Sevenfold, the band, they've their bat skull logo. Is, is, right. has been released as an NFT. Um, the band want 
wanted to give something to their fans. They wanted it to be a real special thing. And so they wanted you to make it, more money. If you, <laughs> yeah. if you own a part, if you own a part of the Bat Skull, low, you own part of their logo. You've got an right. NFT. You can go like backstage to the gig for the rest of the time the bands are together. Yeah, you can have guitar lessons with them. You can go and hang out at private parties and stuff. If you got and you can hand the NFT down to, to other people, you can say, "I could say to Hobo, here's my Event Sevenfold NFT. You can go backstage and see him now at any gig you want." So, can you can you do that without them purchasing it from? Yeah, you can. The- you you can yeah, just right. you can pass it on to people, right. and you can hand you can hand down the NFT to a family member. Like, say you no. don't want it anymore, you can you can pass it down. Um, and or leave it in yeah, the so I mean, maybe you could make the Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. You've moved the microwave, yeah, you're just really loud. Oh. Um, <laughs> you could make you know your 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 logo, the Phil, Phil Campbell, you could yeah. make that an NFT. I just, you know, all the old school motorhead fans might buy into it, and you could be like, they could come backstage. I still don't really your get gigs it. What and do you, you get? Can... You get a bit of paper saying you own part of this. No, well, it's not even a bit of paper because it's, it's a digital, it's digital, like a oh. coin or whatever, whatever symbol you would say. I think you get if you have a pro, if you have an NFT, you can have it on your profile as having NFT. Oh, right. So, so the NF, Avenged Sevenfold NFT, I think you can have as on your profile well, so on you, social you'd, media. You'd, you'd then you're like... part of it's part of being part of a club. Was it's it like if a... you got a cyberpunk? I you think... own a pixel of that picture. Yeah, there was like a, oh, it was yeah. made into like a hundred squares or something. Right. Yeah. And if you got a crazy. cyberpunk one, this like the millionaires ones. You can yeah, you can get into all kinds of underground. Not that we want to do it, but I'm just saying this is what you can do. Yeah. Um, functions you... and that that you wouldn't be able to get in without an NFT. I mean, this is a real bare bones description of this day. No, I'm already saying what I I know about it. I could be well, well fucking wrong, but no, um, well, I know, that's I know the best. I, yeah, it, uh, I'm kind of saying it for everyone listening as well as you know. It's essentially a digital art form that you can purchase, and you kind of own that the rights to that particular copy of whatever that art is. So it's sim- really similar. You mentioned like a cryptocurrency. It's, I'm not an expert in, but I know what it is and how it works ish. Like, you get, I don't own a Bitcoin. I own like not point, not, 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 not five of one, maybe something stupid like that. But <laughs> I don't physically have anything to show that I own that. But I do own one digitally in some, in some um, cyberspace somewhere. Yeah. But I, in the wallet this, on your phone, it's just a little yeah, number saying. Yeah, that's basically what it is. But yeah. technically, I own that, and it's worth X amount of money. It changes every day. It's really low at the moment, so it's bad. But um, yeah, essentially, it's like if I wanted to purchase the Avenge, like what you say about it, having perks, that's great. I think that gives more value to it. But also, it's you can you could you say if they I don't know how much they sell them for thousand dollars. Perhaps I I could buy one for a thousand dollars. I'm a big Avenge Sevenfold fan. Great, I, oh, I can go backstage to the gigs now. Great. Three years' time, I still own it. And I'm like, I'm a bit skint at the moment. I could do with uh, selling some stuff. Oh, I got that Avenged Sevenfold NFT. I'll put that on some digital marketplace. That's what I don't know how it works, but you can sell it then, yeah. whatever you want. Presumably by then, 
the value hopefully has gone up because well, there's no, it did go there's up. no more of them yeah there's no more of them about for people to buy yeah. mm. so i'm gonna i'll sell that for ten thousand dollars on some website um like a le- there's obviously legal websites that are built specifically for that to transfer the rights of that piece of art to the person who buys it yeah it's all in the yeah, app it's all there you can do it yeah instantaneously so they're the yeah they're the official owner of it i don't have it anymore so they get all the perks that I used to get. I don't get anymore. I've got nothing to do with it. But I've made nine grand. So that I think that's what a lot of the appeal is, is that because it's still a new thing, all these things that are available now are going to be worth more in the future, especially like when there's limited edition stuff. Hmm. Um, and like, I, like, that's my limited knowledge of it. Um, hmm. I'd, I, I'd be interested in doing something band related, but for me to explain that to my dad, yeah you'd be thinking we're just ripping people off is, that, is, that, it, is it like me trying to show my dad how to use the sky remote is that what it's like probably <laughs> yeah probably my dad knows how to tweet which is quite good yeah and he knows how to use whatsapp oh there you go um, but yeah if i started talking to him oh can we do a phil campbell and the bastard sons nft we're limited to 200 200 um versions or whatever and for me to explain that they don't actually physically receive anything you, you just wouldn't understand it you're ripping people off right <laughs> no it's up to them they don't have you know it's up to them to buy one and they can do whatever they want with it i think it's like seven grand to buy one of those avenge ones now Is it? it was on oh, day one it was like in the hundreds wow so, oh yeah so this, this or, or this, it might be that might be seven seven thousand eighth which is a lot more than seven grand. Mm. Yeah, I think I've got that wrong. Is it like, again, yeah. no is expert. It, is it like, well, the, do you remember that last Deftones album that was made up of pixels? The face was made up of loads of pixels and yeah. like dots. Oh, right. And you could buy, when it came out, you could buy one of these dots on the album. And obviously they yeah. could only sell the amount of dots yeah. that were on the front of that album. But oh, they were wow. selling them. But I don't know what you got out of it. No. I think it but was just see, the a, fact that you owned a part of that album. It's color. like a, a a primitive version of an NFT, in it? Right. But yeah, that was so, a diff- the same like... sort of concept. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, I don't, but that, that, if anyone knows more than us, I'm sure that they do. Yeah. But, the, um, the Motorhead yeah. Snaggletooth logo, that'd yeah. be an ideal NFT. Like they could easily, easily get someone to market for that, market that for them and, and sell copies of that or part of that logo and it'll, it'll go massive it's worldwide recognized how yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me actually if the can like the motorhead like technically like my dad is te- technically still part of motorhead even though they're mm. not a band but he's still technically part of the business side of it but he doesn't really well i don't know i can't really speak for him but they, there's obviously merch people involved that Stick the logo and all sorts of things. I you yeah. get sex toys, is after aftershaves <laughs> coming out. Sex the, uh, toys, yeah, snaggle oh, yeah. sex toys. Yeah, and the face of it on the end. <laughs> there's, there's there's all sorts of ones. Look, well, I'd say look it up, but maybe don't. But I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's say some of some of their song titles go quite well with the name for a sex toy. Yeah, but of um, yeah, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me if whoever's in charge of their merch goes how does do an nft but i think it's explaining that to to my dad and, and mickey d and 
Mickey well. would probably be up for it. But um, I'm surprised he doesn't have his own actually. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's the, it's a thing. It's the future. It is the future. It's well, if it happens, now. if it happens, wanna... then I gave you the idea. So make sure you text yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> you text me first. Yeah. Yeah. I want to yeah. get it on the day one price <laughs> before anyone yeah. else. But like the the other thing, we're like where where the world is changing slightly. I don't know if you saw, but like we like. I've got like a Patreon page for my podcast, but we've started one for the band now. And that's, that gives them like extra, like access and exclusive content and stuff like that. And the Laura bands are doing this kind of thing now to, I guess, keep the band going really. And, mm. um, and, and it's, a, it is a way for fans to get extra stuff and to have um, more interaction with the band. Like how, like how many, I know you said you've like interviewed people and stuff, but like if you're thinking of your favorite bands, how can you access them, the members themselves? You can't really, but this is a way now where you can actually, whether it's a video call every now and again or private Facebook group or or whatever, you can actually have interactions with uh, members of your favorite bands and stuff like that. But this is another way that the the industry is changing. Uh, Hopefully the benefit you know the actual musicians and the fans because i think the the fans see value in it otherwise they wouldn't buy it mm. yeah but, and yeah, i think it will it would definitely would it would definitely sell yeah it would definitely be purchased it's an interesting yeah. one dame we're gonna let you go no, that's cool. <laughs> a, a, a rocking two hours is it oh wow i think okay. it's time to go it's been a great I think chat. so yeah it's been We've, great and uh, it's, it's been a love having you on yeah it's been a lovely chat and thank you so much Oh, and uh, my pleasure. We'll, Glad we'll we keep in contact it. as we always do with our yeah, yeah. former podcasters. Indeed. And, uh, if, you ever, if you ever see me at a gig or a festival, or if you want to come to a show, obviously give me a shout and uh, I'll sort you out. Cool. Awesome. Sounds yeah, we'd definitely amazing. love to come and see you at a show and yeah, have a beer with you. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Sounds absolutely. brilliant. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, cool. good luck with the podcast guys yeah good luck with the album man is there a release date or anything or is that oh, nothing like that yeah no. no it's um it's up in the air yeah <laughs> hopefully it'll come out at some point cool and anyone listening to hearing it. you haven't heard dane's podcast run for the song look it up on instagram mm. get listening cheers guys good, Thanks. Brilliant. Good, good luck with your nft <laughs> <laughs> cheers dane take care buddy cheers Your feet, sweating like a hound dog.